Hello and welcome to How Would You Rate Your Pain? We will be exploring life, loss, love, and the power of resilience. I am Dr. Tiffany Bartell. Thank you for listening and I can't wait to go on this journey with you. Hello and welcome to another episode of How Would You Rate Your Pain? The podcast that explores life, loss, love, and the power of resilience. I am Dr. Tiffany Bartell, a licensed therapist and your host. Today we will be talking about grief and trauma, and so I do want to issue a trigger warning that we will be talking about some scenes of death and some descriptions of violence and trauma. If the subjects of trauma, death, or grief are triggering to you, please feel free to sit this one out and we'll see you next time. I want you each to be so gentle with yourselves. So we have in the studio um, one of the most remarkable women I know. I can't remember the last time I texted or called Renita and she wasn't doing three things at <laughs> once. Um, I was actually uh, talking right before we started um, when I called her to to talk about, you know, prepping for the show today. She was, she, I think you just fed the homeless dinner and you were driving on the way to a meeting and you were talking to me on that very short drive and um, you're the ultimate juggler. Um, you don't wear a cape, but I think <laughs> it's because you don't need one. <laughs> and, no, no, um, no. and I think everybody knows that you're a superhero. So, and I stand by everything I said, and I know that uh, praise makes you uncomfortable. So well, you are we'll too sweet. In. Yes, you're <laughs> too sweet. Um, yeah, tell us a little bit about yourself. Okay, my name is Renita. I have an undergrad in social work and a master's in school counseling. I work in higher education, and. I devote my life to helping people survive college, and yes, I do a lot of things on the side, um, helping with a few different charities. I'm active at church, and um, I have three grown boys, and uh, yeah, that, that's about me. Very tall grown boys. Very I tall say, grown too. boys. Yeah. <laughs> so, Very proud of them. Yes. As you should be. Yeah. I think that, I think if I was going to kind of say what you do for a living um, in your on and off time, it'd just be helping people. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So today we're going to talk about the grief of losing a parent in a very specific and difficult way, but grief and loss are subjects that um, are ones most of us have come in contact with. I think it's important to point out that there are many kinds of circumstances that cause us to go through the grieving process. And there's also very individual ways that each of us go through that process and experience it. I'm so grateful that Renita is here to tell us a bit about your experience of losing your dad and the process of working through it and what that was for you. So to start off, um, tell me a little bit about your relationship with your father. So my, uh, yeah, so my childhood was a little on the unique side. Um, my, uh, my, my mom was married to uh, who I thought was my dad. And uh, I soon found out that I actually had a different dad. And, um, and that story uh, goes, you know, I was home one day, I was seven, I, um, I answered the telephone, and the man on the phone asked for my mom. And so she was on the phone out of the room and comes back in and says, hey, your dad's on the phone and he would like to talk to you. And I had answered, and like any seven-year-old, I was like, uh, that's not my dad. And she said, no, your real dad oh, is on wow. the phone. Mm -hmm. So that's when I found out 
there you could have a real dad and a different kind of dad and so the man who i thought was my dad had raised me from birth Mm -hmm. i had his last name um i did not know any different um but now all of a sudden i'm not um renita from small town kentucky now Mm -hmm. i happen to be colombian as well and i'm hispanic and you know and all of that and so from that time, um, in the next couple of years, my mom's marriage uh, fell apart and she moved us to Florida. Um, but I was using my vacations and my summers going and visiting relatives I didn't know and getting to know my real dad, um, who was a businessman in Medellin, Colombia. Um, I you know, I met my stepmother and step siblings and all of that. Um, So it was a unique because now instead of two families, I had three families. And uh, so learning, you know, how to, uh, how to maneuver that, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, what does that look like? Because nobody else's family looked like that. Um, And so, you know, once we moved to Florida, things were tough. My mom was a single parent. And, Mm -hmm. um, and all I knew is that my biological father uh, was able to provide for us and when he felt like it. And so that was, you know, um, that was kind of different. And so my mom, you know, had the struggle of when I would be away, in Colombia or in Miami or wherever I was with relatives, I had maids and drivers and oh, guards wow, so and um, such a different life. And, yeah. you know, um, so like at home, you did your own laundry, you yeah. cooked your own food if you wanted to eat. And, you know, you so, yeah, life was different. And my mom would have to s- snap me back into reality. <laughs> <laughs> you know, she's like, I do not have a maid here. You will clean up. And so, um, yeah. but I, I am grateful because... Mm-hmm. I got. I mean, I feel blessed and enriched that I had different opportunities. Absolutely, um, that's a lot of context switching, though. Did you did you speak Spanish before you? No, I um, okay. no, I did not speak Spanish. I um, small town Kentucky. Yeah, yeah, I was wondering <laughs> so, about that. Yeah, yeah. no. Um, so I. Yeah, I, I tell people I speak Spanish now. It's yeah. not perfect because I, you know, my mom was American, sure. and um, yeah. and so I was I wasn't speaking it here. I was only speaking it on vacation and very you conversational. Know. Yeah. Yes. yeah, what a learning curve. You know, a different culture, a different country. Uh, just even getting there, right. you know, learning how to take flights internationally as a child. And yeah, and, and different values as well. Yeah. You know, you have your culture, but you also have your your values and your mm-hmm. ethics because yeah. my family was a completely, my father's family was a completely different religion than right. where I was being raised. And yeah. so um, it was it was. Everything was different. Yeah. Everything. Yeah. Yeah. You just, you know, you're one person when you're with one parent and you're a different person when you're with a different parent. So it was, uh, it it was challenging at times, Mm -hmm. but Mm -hmm. again, I feel blessed because I did get to experience a lot of things. Yeah. You know, it's interesting, Renita. I've always noticed that like 
it's very easy for you to connect with people and relate to them. And, you know, just even like building that flexibility in as, you know, a child, um, you know, kind of gave you that agility and flexibility, but, but that's also a lot to right. go through. Yeah. So, you know, as you feel comfortable, mm-hmm. um, only what you want to share, um, tell us what happened to your dad. Okay. Um, so I, I like to tell, I like to start here. So it was my senior year in high school Mm -hmm. and it was spring break. Um, A few of my senior uh, classmates, we had taken a trip for spring break to England. So fun. Yes. And so that was fun. Um, And so we went to England. I had just come back to the United States. I was going to a boarding school. And so I was at home uh, for a day to sleep off jet lag before going back to school. And um, so I come in one day, and that night my father had called from Colombia saying Mm -hmm. my abuelita, my grandmother, uh, and my tia um, had been in an accident, Mm. uh, and they were not expecting my abuelita to live. And so um, he was asking me to come over so that I would be there for the funeral. So one day I'm flying in from England, the next day I'm getting on a plane and going to Columbia to to be with the family. And, um, And shortly after I arrived, um, she did pass. Uh, mm. She did. She did pass away from her injuries. Um, she was. Oof. I want to say Abuelita. Uh, she was probably eighty-eight. Okay. So, um, yeah. so she was a lot older. Um, and uh, I had never experienced death. Um, I had never been to a funeral, really. Wow. Um, I maybe had had like some super extended relatives die that really didn't affect my life. So, mm-hmm. um, so whether it was here in the states or over there, I hadn't I hadn't experienced it, so I didn't know what to expect. Um, and this was a big introduction into um, how they grieve, how they do, you know, my family is Catholic over in Colombia, and yeah. so how they have different masses. And mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. here in the United States, we embalm. Over there, they were not embalming. They may now, but this was 89. This yeah. was 1989. So um, I can remember hordes, hordes, hordes of people um, wanting to come through for the viewing. and. Okay. And I just remember, like, we were having to put special perfume on my abuelita because she would start to, sm- you know, smell. Wow. It was so hot and it's yeah. it, very muggy and moist, um, very humid down there. And so I, I remember, like, all of these different memories and yeah. smells and yeah. and um, and sounds. And, you know, I, I was 17 at the time. Um, so once the day or two of viewings had taken place, then there was the huge cathedral mass that they did, uh, service that they put on. And, um, and I can just remember, you know, wow, like, you know, hundreds of people were there Mm -hmm. and, and people had come in from all over the world. Um, She was very well loved. She she was very well loved. She was the matriarch there, you know, were, um, nine children she had nine children and then of course all the other extended family besides her own family um so yeah abuelita Esther was very loved and um so 
it was uh, it was unique and interesting for me to look around and see how people were reacting and reciting yeah. rosaries and all of that, all of so the different. things. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when we went to the cemetery, well, turns out our family has their own mausoleum. Oh, and wow. um, and so, you know, instead of burying in the ground, which I thought everyone was buried in the ground at that time, but yeah. um, but no, you can be slid into a, a building, you know, in a mausoleum. Yeah. They put put you into a you know a vault i guess is what it's called and um so that was different and i remember my my grandfather had died when my father was a baby oh, so wow. he had he had been gone for 40 plus years mm-hmm. so they had taken his remains and put them with my abuelita so that they could be buried together and mm. i so so many layers so of many, unexpected yeah in this situation yeah just like oh we do this and oh what that's how it's done like it was a huge learning curve um and so once the burial was done uh they have a nine-day mass called a novena and so and it's in honor of the person that has died and you gather in a home that can hold everybody that comes. So we were having it. We started having these daily masses in my grandmother's home okay. um, in Medellin. And um, the priest, who was a relative, of course, um, we have lots of priests in our family. Okay. And so uh, one of our priests um, would do the mass every night. And um I remember on the third night, uh, my dad was there and um, and tons of relatives. And, um, and as they trickled home, like after the mass was done and everybody was starting to go home, um, it was, you know, time to go to bed. Like I had a lot of things going on in my head, like how much longer am I here? I'm yeah. missing a lot of school. Senior this year. is my senior year. Yeah. I need to get back to the U.S. and finish. And so like a lot of things, like how much longer do I stay? And um, my father and I, we had a had a big uh, fight that night. We were mm-hmm. uh, disagreeing. Uh, we tend to be oil and water anyway. And yeah. so it was not uncommon for us to disagree and not see eye to eye. Um, and I am very strong-willed. Yes, you <laughs> and are. And I speak my mind. Yeah, I like it. Um, <laughs> I definitely speak my mind. And culturally, that's not necessarily yeah. acceptable. Okay. Um, and with him being the male, you listen to the male. And uh, that's not how I was raised. Yeah. And so um, my mom was very, is, she's super independent. And mm-hmm. um, so that's how I was raised to, to be, to hear your, to let your voice be heard. Mm-hmm. And, um, and stand up for yourself. Yeah, yeah. stand up for yourself, yeah. for sure. And so um, so anyway, we did not see eye to eye that night. Mm-hmm. Um, he got very angry. Um, I was very angry. And so he left. He left to go home. Um, the next day, uh, I was getting ready. I was in the bathroom, had had my shower. I was brushing my teeth. Um, and I'm hearing a lot of commotion and a lot of chaos in the house. And my uncle comes, you know, bursting into the bathroom and he's like, you need to get your shoes. We got to go. Let's go. And so we were rushing out of the house. I had no idea what was going on. Um, I didn't know. I could hear 
relatives down various hallways of my grandmother's home, a lot of crying and a okay. lot of um, wailing mm -hmm. and um, rosaries, uh, different prayers and things being being chanted and, and said, and just um, lots of noise and chaos and a um, sense that something was wrong yes i knew something, something was happened. wrong yes something okay. was wrong something had happened um my grandmother's home was on the 24th floor and um so we you know my my uncle and my aunt um they were brother and sister mm -hmm. um they drug me out of the house and into the elevator and down to the curb and there was a taxi waiting and i remember my uncle saying you know just get us there I don't care how you do it. Drive on the drive on the sidewalks. Go through the lights. Whatever you got to do, we got to wow. get there. Wow! And so, like your heart rate, your you know, you're like your what is going on? And everyone is speaking Spanish. And yes, I understand a lot. And mm -hmm. but it's just so chaotic. My brain was not mm -hmm. really um, tracking. Yeah, yeah it yeah. was. Yeah, it, it wasn't tracking. And um, so. I was sitting in the middle between my aunt holding her cross and saying the prayers, and my uncle was just like freaking out, saying lots of stuff. And um, so I was the one that they took from the house. And so mm -hmm. I started to put two and two together. Like, this has something to do with me. And this, you know, so that would mean it probably had to do something with my father okay. um, or my father's family. Like, something has happened that I was the one that they drug along on this car ride. Mm -hmm. And wow, it was a scary car ride. Yeah. Um, and the closer we got to the suburbs um, and the industrial side of Medellin, um, the area is called El Poblado, and uh, a lot of different businesses. My father owned a car dealership, okay. and his car dealership was located in El Poblado. And um, so we... As we're approaching his building, I'm like, okay, this is about me. This is about mm. my father. This, you know, it's starting to sink in okay. that something has happened. And there's a lot of um, a lot of ambulance, police cars, um, a lot of military clad, mm. a lot of uh, people in camo holding machine guns, wow. a lot of a lot of guns. Yeah. And um, as we're approaching, I'm like, holy cow something's gone down and and here we go um i remember opening the door and jumping out and there um there was a trail of blood mm -hmm. and i noticed it right away and it was in the parking lot and um it led into the building to the showroom where the cars are where were would sit um mm -hmm. in the in the showroom of the dealership and then it turned right and went over to the edge of the building and then up the stairs where uh, the offices, the executive offices and the secretaries and stuff were up above the showroom. And so I just remember following the trail of blood across the floor, up wow. the stairs, through the first office, through the second office and into my father's office. And beyond the blood there were people standing around people with cameras um 
folks that I assumed were detectives and okay. various things like that and, and police and lots of guns still. And um, and so, of course, I'm like, oh, okay, where's my dad? Yeah, and yeah. so, like, I'm pushing through people and pushing through offices and, like, where's my dad? And when we got into his office, hold on, I got to take a drink of water. That's <laughs> okay. You're doing great. Um, so just start with when we got into the office. Yes. When I got into the office, um, my father's chair was turned over. It was okay. on its side. And he was laying on the ground. Um, his body looked fine, mm. but you knew he was not. Okay. Um, so he had been shot um, in the back of the head um, mm. six times. And okay. so it was an execution-style uh, killing. And I was hyper-focused on the fact that his gun was still on his hip. And I was like, he didn't protect himself. Like, like he didn't even attempt, you know? Yeah. And then I started noticing, like, his Rolex was gone. And, okay. and a couple of his rings, you know? And I, like, I was angry. Like, details. I was just, yeah, just soaking all the details and, you know... Um, my aunt was sitting beside him on one side, and I had gone down on my knees um, on the other side, and we were both holding his hands. And my aunt was just crying, telling him to wake up, and okay. you know, and yeah. and I was um, saying similar things, you know, like mm. no, why, and you know, the typical. Um, and in my head, I was like, I shouldn't be able to touch his body. Like, this is a crime scene. Yeah. Like, you know, I'm thinking of movies that right. I watch yeah. in the United States. Like, I shouldn't be in here. Like, we should not be in here. Like, how are you going to catch his killers if... I touch everything. Yeah, yeah. if we're yeah. sitting here and, and you know, disturbing the crime scene. Mm -hmm. um, that was that was something that, that I was, you know, really focusing on. And, mm -hmm. um, and then different thoughts, like... When we looked around the room, you know, of course there were the policemen and the and the different detectives standing around taking down notes. I remember them writing down things and stuff. And um, and I looked across the room where there had been a phone on a small table, and um, and the phone was on the ground, and next to the small table, well, down the wall was blood and like mm. blood had been smeared down the wall okay. and it was like what on earth because yeah. my dad's body is across the room what has happened here and then they explained it to me that a secretary had come in during all the commotion and and the killing so she had gone across the room picked up the phone to call for help and then they had shot her okay so yeah. When they, when the authorities had arrived, um, she was still alive. So the blood that I had trailed in, that okay. I had followed the path, yeah. that was her blood because they had taken her by ambulance. Um, wow! And she did later die at the hospital. Mm -hmm. um, but that was the trail because you know it didn't make any sense. What what yeah. trail of blood was I following? Well, now yeah. you know it started to make sense. Um, I can remember uh, trying to call my mom 
because my mom, you know, my mom and I are besties. Like, yeah. I talk to her almost yeah. on a daily basis. Well, you and need somebody for you, yes. too. Like somebody to, Absolutely. Like, and someone from my world, because yeah. Yeah. I was always being inserted into this, their world. Okay. Every yeah. time I would go down and yeah. um, down to Columbia. And I... I needed somebody from my world. Yeah, absolutely. That's mm-hmm. that's right. Um, so trying to find a phone to call my mom. Um, yeah. And back then, you know, it was a little more challenging to dial out of the country and stuff. Yeah. And um, I still feel like I don't know how to do it. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, well, fortunately, cell phones make it a lot easier. Yeah, yeah. But um, so I can remember the only phone that I could get to work in the offices I was standing over my dad, like standing oh, over his body wow. and calling my mom at work. And yeah. here she is at work and she works, She at that time she worked for the phone company. And so oh. she was in like a room with over a hundred different people in cubicles and they're all on the phones helping oh, people wow. with their phones, right? And yeah, it's because yeah. she works for the phone company. And so I can remember talking, you know, saying, Mom, he's gone. He's dead. And like and so oh. she screams and of course she she says that like everybody stopped working. Like what yeah, on earth had yeah, happened, yeah. you know? And so she um so she said, I, I'm headed to the airport. I'm coming. Um I'll be I'll be there. And Yeah, wow. So that was, you know, that was a relief. My mm-hmm. mom was gonna was on her way. She but was gonna also be here. A bit of a flight. Yes, yeah. it, it, yes, because we lived um, we lived in West Palm Beach at the time, and oh, wow. so okay. she would had to, she had to get to Miami and then get a flight from Miami to Medellin, Colombia. Wow. And so yes, it, it was a flight. It was gonna take her several hours, and um, so. I remember sitting there, st- you know, after I talked to her, I felt a little bit of relief knowing mm-hmm. that she was coming. Mm-hmm. But yet I was sitting by his body going like, why? Like, why did you do this? And not that it was his fault, but, right. um, but in but, the moment. Yeah. But in the moment, you're like, you know, how did you get yourself killed? <laughs> that yeah. that was what yeah. I was thinking. Yeah. And and why didn't you protect yourself? Right. Because he had his gun. Um, right. And so... I can remember um, relatives starting to say, "Okay, we gotta go," and um, and it was like, "Okay, well, what comes next?" Because you yeah. know, prior with my grandmother, we did this and this and this, and we go and have the viewing, and you know, so like, okay, where do we go now? Yeah. Um, and so we, my aunt went with my father's body to help prepare it. Uh, and, um, and we went back to the apartment and they're like, my relatives were like, okay, go get ready for the funeral. And I'm like, what? Like, oh, wow. wait a second, this is too fast. Mm-hmm. And, and I just kept asking why, like, why are we going to a funeral so soon aren't we doing a viewing aren't we going to have relatives come in like nobody knows because by then a lot of the relatives that had come from out of town they had left and so it was like okay you know we got to gather people and when you kind of thought you knew how 
funerals and death worked yes. in that country. You yes. just had gotten like a little tutorial. Yes, so exactly. Like, okay, kind of know what yeah. to expect. And it wasn't. And it wasn't. And um, and so they were like, no, we're having his funeral this afternoon. And, you know, and then I had like so much anxiety, but also disbelief yeah. um, because, you know, you do ask yourself, is this real? Is this yeah. really happening? Yeah. Is this a dream? Am I going to wake up? Mm-hmm. Um, and you you think you know, but then you don't know, right? right. And yeah. so, I mean, we, we had his <laughs> drive-by funeral is what I call it, because it was quickie. It, we went to the same cathedral that we had been there, you know, four days prior for my abuelita. Okay. Um, but there was just not hardly any people there. Like, you know, the the relatives that they could gather quickly were there, but that was it. Mm, um, so different. It was at, like, they estimated time of death was somewhere like 8, 8.30, somewhere in that neighborhood. And we were in the church before two o'clock. Oh, wow. And I was like, as a 17-year-old, I was just argumentative. Sure. And I was like, his body's not even cold. Like, yeah. like, yeah. how can we bury him? He, mm-hmm. He's not ready. Mm-hmm. And we're not ready. Mm-hmm. And, and my mom wasn't there. And that was a big thing for me because I really wanted my mom to be able to say goodbye to him too. Okay. And, yeah. um, and so it was explained to me, like I kept asking and people were pushing me aside and not, not answering me. And I just over and over, like, why are we doing this so fast? Mm-hmm. What is the hurry? Mm-hmm. And why doesn't he get the same treatment that my abuelita got? And, right, right. Um, and finally, one of my uncles said, Renita, if we do not do this fast, if we don't get him buried quickly, if we take time to mourn and grieve and gather in groups, they will come back and they will kill the whole family. Oh, wow. And so because evidently those type of killings, the if you did, took time to have a viewing and a mass and all of that, the folks, the, the people that, you know, had done it. Had done yeah. it. Mm-hmm. Would come back and oh, shoot okay. everybody. Okay. And so, because we're talking, you know, it was late eighties. You know, it was nineteen eighty nine. It was you know cartel, Colombian cartel, drugs, all of that. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And it was a violent time back then. Sure. Um, there was a lot and, of fear. It sounds like yes, lot, just so much fear. Yes, absolutely, yeah. a lot of fear. Something that was not a part of my world whatsoever, yeah. and. Yeah. I mean, I knew, you know, some of my relatives carried guns for protection. Like, I knew that, but Mm -hmm. it really didn't sink in, you know, the danger. Um, And so, yeah, I mean, he was buried so fast, and my head is spinning. My mom gets into the country that night, and it's just like, where do we go from here? Like, mm-hmm. like, what do I do? Because I'm about to graduate, and he was going to pay for college, and oh, I was wow. going to get my car because he had promised me a car because he was a car dealer, and you know, yeah. just a lot of things. And and I'm also I'm also preoccupied with like who 
who did it? And right. are we going to go after them? You know, because yeah. like, that's yeah. me. That, yeah. You know, let's get them. And, yeah. you know, and what are the police doing? Like, what are they doing? Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. Um, and so many questions. So many questions. Yeah. And yeah. a lot of it was swept under the rug mm-hmm. because that was the culture. That is what they did. You don't ask questions, you just keep moving forward. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was hard. Uh, that, you know, that was hard in the moment. That was yeah. hard in the moment while I was down there surrounded by all the things. And yeah. um, so my mom and I stayed a few more days. I think it was almost a week um, after the funeral. And I, I had to get back to school because I wasn't yeah. the best student. <laughs> and I needed to I needed yeah. to get back to school. Um, and so so we we did. We left and. I remember, like, I remember a couple of different um, things. Being a Christian, you know, I really um, called upon my faith quite a bit. Mm-hmm. And you ask a lot, like, why me, God? And, yeah. You know, yeah. and why him? And why yeah. us? And, yeah. you know, and who's going to take care of his family now? Like, because, mm-hmm. you know, I had my mom and I had my life in the U.S., but now his family is down there. And, mm-hmm. you know, and I had some guilt because I got to leave. Yeah. I got to leave. Yeah. I got to walk away. Um, and they lived in it mm-hmm. and had yeah. to, you know, and had to live Everything it every day. for them. Yeah. yeah. And their lifestyle changed. And, you know, yeah. their provider, the, you know. Everything turned upside down on them. Um, And so I had guilt, fear. You know, there was fear because people were, is anyone going to come after any of the other relatives? You know, one of my uncles was not able to attend the mass for my father because they had to sneak him out of the country. And so because we didn't know who was another target. target. Yeah, Yeah, because you didn't know who and all that. Yeah, so just kind of so chaotic and fearful and like so much going on, so many moving parts to that. So so what were things like for you after his passing? Um, so the night my mom dropped me back off um, at boarding school that night, um, I didn't tell you the story before, but um, mm-hmm. it's something that I, I do share. Um, I was I was upset. I was crying. I was yeah. back back in the dorm and I just, you know, my life had turned upside down and I didn't know how to be, you know. Mm-hmm. And so my mom had left and I was crying and I was walking down the hall and one of the deans, uh one of the girls deans saw me and she came up to me and she said, "He is dirt in the ground." You need to get back to your studies, get back to your room, and get over it. And oh I goodness. just remember being appalled, like wow. like horrified. Like no one had talked to me like that. Like everybody was being sweet and, you know, and this and that. And, you know, I'm so sorry and apologetic and all that and sympathy. And this woman was not. It was the exact opposite. Mm-hmm. And so... I had emotions of how could you talk to me like that? But then I was like, well, I could go back to, (laughs) you know, I can just go back to my room. And I mean, it was really rude of her to say that, you know, he is dirt in the ground and, (laughs) you know, and all of that. No, not not the best. Um, But I, 
but part of me was like, I do need to get back and okay. and just and buckle down and and take care of me, um, and and. I, I had some anger over those words. I think that's um, fair. Yeah. I think that's fair. Yeah. I think there was like a lot of different ways to, yes. <laughs> to try to yeah. help you. And, but, um, but you used it. Yeah, mm-hmm. I used it. Um, but that was, you know, I remember a lot of friends. Um, they were, you know, like not, not knowing what to say to me. You know, there was like walking on eggshells around me. And, yeah. you know, do we talk about it? Do we not talk about it? And what did you see? Oh, you saw it, you know. Okay. It, so it was a lot yeah. of, uh, you know, kids. Awkwardness. Awkwardness. Curiosity. 17-year-old, yeah. yeah. And yeah. Um, I had a boyfriend that was away at college already. And, um, and he... You know, he told our friends up there and they were calling me and, you know, and just, you know, very sympathetic and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so the next few months were all wrapped around graduating and going to college and can I afford to go to college? And um, my dad that had actually raised me, um, which I refer to as my stepdad, just for cl- for. Uh, clarity. Um, but uh, so my dad that that had raised me, uh, he stepped forward and he's like, look, you know, you're still mine and I'm going to pay for college okay. and you're okay and you're going to get through this. And that was that was a huge relief. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, and I still have a good relationship with him to this day. Yeah. Um, and my kids call him grandpa. Um, but um, but you anyway, somebody to take one part of the situation, even just one and yes. stabilize it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so my world was still moving forward. I okay. was still going to go to college. I didn't have a car, but that's okay. <laughs> um, I was still going to go to college. And, um, and I just remember it was pretty much sweeping everything under the rug. I, I yeah. didn't do it on purpose. It wasn't, uh, ooh, I'm going to pretend it didn't happen. Like, you mm-hmm. can't help it. Like, mm-hmm. you can't help but think about it every day. Yeah. Um, but I I did emotionally sweep it under the rug. Just kind of and pack it away. Yeah, mm-hmm. I packed it away. Yeah. I, um, I didn't deal with it. Back then, counseling was... You know, not yeah. something a lot of people did. You yeah. had to be, you know, off your rocker or whatever <laughs> to do counseling. And I, you know, it, it wasn't in my realm. Right, um, right. And it was not a thought. Ooh, she should get to counseling. Yeah. Um, and so I bounced around college. Oh, my goodness. I was making a lot of poor choices, changing my major. I tell my students now, I changed my major like I changed clothes. Okay. <laughs> I... Um, I and a lot of that is because I wasn't dealing um, mm-hmm. with my underlying emotions and, mm-hmm. and grief and stuff and yeah. um, and I I connected with guys I shouldn't have I I was doing all kinds of um, things you do in college that I didn't believe in <laughs> um, and um, and yeah so I I was making a lot of poor choices. And um, I think it's really hard to kind of um, be ambitious about your future when the past kind of has you by the ankles. Right. Yeah. Oh, that, that's a good description. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and so I floundered in college for a couple years, mm-hmm. dropping in, dropping out. Um, 
I, you know, tried nursing and then failed out and then, oh, let me go home and I'll come back and be a nursing student again. <laughs> and I was I was all over the place. Um, and I remember I had come back and had just restarted the nursing program. And one of my cousins um, had come to me and she said, hey, I've been dealing with stuff from my childhood. I've got this good counselor. I really think that you need to see him. And I was like, oh, okay. What could it hurt, right? Like, <laughs> like my life isn't, you know, is a wreck, and I don't know what's coming and going. And yeah. sure, let me see what this counseling is all about. And um, so I started seeing this counselor, um, and he immediately diagnosed me with post-traumatic stress. That you know, seems really um, reasonable. Yeah. yeah. So PTSD, um, yeah. and I wasn't really connected with all the terminology and everything sure, at that sure. point, um, but. But um, I can remember on the third visit, and by the time the third visit to my counselor happened, I was already really struggling in college, and I probably was not going to make it through the nursing program again. Um, And so I go into counseling that day, and he says, look, I think what you are dealing with, we um, we need to... do it. We need to put you through a program that you can take it all out, unpack it, mm-hmm. and deal with it. And do and, only that. And do, yeah, only, do that. only that. And yeah. this once a week thing is not going to work. It's going to take you too long. And the rest of your life is <laughs> is really affected right now. And he okay. said, um, he's like, you have three days. I remember this. He's like, you have three days to drop out of school and pack your stuff up and get your, get your life organized and I'm sending you to Texas to a treatment center. And I'm like, uh, what? Like, <laughs> like I had never been to Texas. Um, You'd barely been to counseling. <laughs> yes, barely been to counseling. Yeah. And I, I wasn't doing drugs, so why are you sending me to treatment, right? Like, Because at that point, I didn't know there was a difference of yeah. treatments. And, yeah. um, and so I can remember calling my mom. Um, and saying, hey, mom, um, I'm in counseling. And oh, by the way, I'm uh, dropping out again. And uh, I'm going to Texas <laughs> and yeah. uh, checking myself into a treatment center. And I can remember being on the plane and thinking, you know, I'm going to get to Texas and there's going to be someone holding a card with my name on it. Mm. And I could walk right by them. Like, I could walk right by, and I could just disappear. And then, of course, like, reality hits. It's like, what are you going to do? Like, like, because that's that's not me. Like, that's not practical. I'm super practical. And I'm like, who do you think you are? You're not going to go disappear. You have too many, you know, morals and ethics and all that, and you're too close to your family. So, um, so yeah. I guess um, I have to go. I guess I have to go. With the person with the card. With the person with the card. Get in the car with a stranger. And, you know, and, of course, this was like, a whole new culture, a whole new thing. Like, yeah. oh my goodness, what am I getting myself into? Yeah. And um, I think you mentioned you hadn't even been to Texas before. No, yeah. no, never been to Texas. <laughs> and it was very brown. And yeah, yeah. Um, and we were in the middle of nowhere. Um, yeah. And in fact, the treatment center I went to was in a town called Hunt. Try finding that on the map. I've been you, to Texas so many times, and I've never heard yeah, that. No, yeah. you can't find Hunt, Texas on the map. And um, so it's that secret. was, 
Yeah. And um, <laughs> and I remember when I got there, because I'm like, treatment centers, like, how do I fit into a treatment center? Yeah. And But there was a BHU side, which I learned, behavioral health unit. Yeah. That's where I was going. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was surrounded by lots of other people dealing with their... Hard um, stuff. Yeah, their yeah. hard stuff. And, and I, you know, I resisted. But then I was, I slowly started opening up and slowly started buying in to the whole treatment, you know, and this could help me. And, but where I came from, you didn't talk about this stuff, right? Like you didn't talk about the bad stuff or the poor choices you made or, you know, or your feelings and you have to unpack all this. And, you know, and by the time it was parent weekend, like three weeks in, like I had to tell my mom stuff she didn't know and oh. and lots of hard stuff that and of course she felt a lot of guilt because she sure. didn't know and yeah. you know and so just working through mm-hmm. all of the feels and all the mm-hmm. things and um and I I tell my students now that I will think about th- all the traumas that I've been through, regardless yeah. of what they are, they're never going away. Right. But me stepping back, escaping life for a minute, mm-hmm. and only having to deal with um, f- focusing on and how to um, how to absorb the grief and yeah. and yeah. you know and just being okay. Mm-hmm. Um, I needed that time, and um, and I've worked through it, and I I did not want like one of the things I knew when I left there, like I don't want this following me, like I didn't want the baggage. I you know I knew the last two years had been chaos for me, yeah. coming yeah. in and out of college constantly. <laughs> I say that they had a revolving door for me. You know, I I needed to surround myself with better friends mm-hmm. and make better choices that I knew I believed in. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, this gave me a restart time. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, and leaving now I had a chance to go become whatever I wanted. And I that. Um, I and that. I I did not because I'm stubborn and <laughs> I'm strong willed, um, that I did not want all of that dragging me down. You you mentioned it had me by the ankle. Like yeah. it was yeah, yeah. I yeah. did not want it affecting the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and some people that I encountered along the way, you know They seemed stuck. They seemed stuck. Yeah. And yeah. um I had an aunt that was super stuck in her issues and I, I was like, Wow, I don't want to be that. Like yeah. like yeah. I was twenty. And I want to just move forward and and not not ignore it, right? Because right. I I you know I unpacked it, I dealt with it, and um and I came to terms. And a lot of things that I had to do was I had to come to terms with the anger mm-hmm. that I still had towards my dad, and yeah. I couldn't resolve that. Right. I couldn't resolve it because he was gone. Yeah. And so you ex- finish the conversation exactly, yeah, yeah. exactly, so and that's hard. hard. Yeah. Um, and so you just come to terms with that. You know, you you uh, acceptance uh, is hard. Acceptance, yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, you know, I, I tell my, my grief story quite a bit uh, to one of the classes, the death and dying class at, um, at the university. And, I, and students will say, like, you know, how, how do you move on, you mm. know? And, and my biggest thing for moving on was because I didn't want that grief to win. I didn't want the, the evil side, the, the bad side, the win. pain. Mm-hmm. Like, I didn't mm-hmm. want it to, to get the best of me because yeah. – yeah. By George, I'm going to let something positive come out of my experience. Absolutely. And, and I can help have. others. Mm-hmm. You know, I can help others move mm-hmm. on, whatever their situation is. Yeah. Um, and and I can... I can help others with it, and I and I think that's where a lot of my, um, my yeah, a, a lot of my helping DNA <laughs> comes from. Um, yeah. Well, as as you know, how hard, difficult things can be, but you also know that it doesn't have to like define the rest of your life. And, and I think that, you know, so many times we want to be on the other side of things. Right. We want to get the feeling that, you know, you might have today about that situation, but you yeah. had to go through it. We don't get to go around or, right. you know, right. or skip it. We have right. to go through. Well, and, you know, some of the things that were really challenging, like my relatives would call me okay. um, and they would cry on the phone a lot. And um, over my abuelita dying, my father dying, like this was years after mm-hmm. they would call and I would get cards telling me that they had had a mass in the memory of my grandmother and my and my father and my belief systems are different right. and um and so it was really hard for me to listen to that over and over and i was just like look i that's those are not the way that i believe you know and mm-hmm. um and so and you were ready for different conversations i was ready for different conversations yeah. yeah. and um so i did I, I did step back a little from my family for a while um i am connected to them now i see mm-hmm. them you know i see them when i see them when they're in the states or you know i've been back to columbia a few times and um and that's very healing and you know and my siblings are grown now and um so you know it's it's different obviously yeah. um our paths have been different um but i um i feel that good I always feel like good can come out of any bad situation, and it's a learning opportunity. Mm-hmm. Um, and, well, and I, I think that you used yours to grow. Yeah. And, um, you know, I think it's easy to think about, like, what would my life have been if I didn't go through this? Mm-hmm. But, you know, well, we have what we have. And I've uh, had people ask me that. Yeah. Like, do you regret that choice or this choice that put you in that situation? Mm-hmm. Or do you wish, you know, your dad hadn't been murdered? And, mm-hmm. you know, and it's like, I mean, I think that's a waste of <laughs> a waste of time to put all your emotions into that. Like, I wish, I wish, you know, sure, who wouldn't wish? But you know what? I... I take those experiences and I help others with it through the growth that I've had. Absolutely. And um, and honestly, I wouldn't change it because I would be someone different. Mm-hmm. And um, and I don't know that I would have had what it took to help others. Yeah. Um, you yeah. know, I think I think it kind of your story really um, gives a lot of. Uh, 
you know, foundation for why it's so easy for you not to give up on people who are struggling. Yes. Because you know that, you know, it takes that big, brave step forward right. to get help, but that, um, but that, you know, that healing can happen, growth can happen, and and there's a lot of power in living a big life, you know, right. with, alongside the things that happen to us. So um, what do you hope that listeners uh, walk away with from hearing your story today? Mm. Hope. Like, th- there, there is sunshine. I had a friend that, um, that I was actually talking to on the way here, and she's been going through a lot of stuff, and she said... I see the light at the end of the tunnel, and it's not a train. <laughs> and I'm like, that's yes. awesome. <laughs> that is an awesome description because, yeah, I mean, there is a light, and mm-hmm. and let others help you. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes we have to borrow hope, right? Oh yeah. Well, you need you needed your counselor to see you on the other side of it, and then like kind of nudge you into taking oh, right. that step. Right. And so sometimes we have to kind of cast the hope. Well, and I mean, I think back and it's like, you know, how much faith did yeah. I have and how I really feel like God had me, my angels had me because holy cow, like I mm-hmm. went to Texas knowing no one and yeah. I, I put so much faith in the system and, yeah. you know, and yeah. and now as a parent, like I would be like, what? You're going to send my kid away? Like, like, I shall go to Texas as well. Yes. <laughs> like that would be, that yeah. would be hard. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it was um, really brave. It was yeah. really brave. Wow. And, and it sounds like it was what you needed. Mm. Well, I just want to thank you for being here, Anita. I oh, always yeah. like our chats. Um, <laughs> and um, I'm just so grateful for, I'm grateful that you you were willing to be brave and do the work so you can be here today. And, and I can know you and you can help so many. Um, and I also want to thank our listeners for joining us for this episode. I know that many of you are listening and resonating with aspects of the story that you heard today. Or maybe your experience feels very different, but the emotions and difficulty feel familiar. I just want to encourage you to find those spaces where your own story can be held and um, and it can be given the support and love it deserves. Be gentle with yourselves and I'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to How Would You Rate Your Pain? Please subscribe on your favorite listening platform so you never miss an episode. And if this show made you think of someone, please share it with them to help us grow. I'm your host, Dr. Tiffany Bartell. You can find me on Instagram at the underscore happy underscore therapist underscore. This show is not intended as medical advice and should not take the place of therapy or other mental health services. Please consult with your doctor or mental health provider about your own health. You deserve all the support. How Would You Rate Your Pain is co-produced by Wavelength Studios and Chattanooga Podcast Studios and is part of the Podnooga Network. Graphic design provided by Josh Wilhelm at JW Creates and music by Michael Crosa. I'm Dr. Tiffany Bartell. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you next time right here on How Would You Rate Your Pain. Proud member of the Podnuga Network.